in Revelation chapter 19. Thank you, Lord. It says this, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and his bride. His bride, his bride has prepared herself. Hmm. I was reading that earlier before making notes. And the Lord said, notice, you prepare yourself. We prepare ourselves. Are we getting prepared? Are we ready? Now go to 2 Kings chapter 4. This is the story of Elisha. And he helps the poor widow woman. And it says in verse 1, it says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elijah and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Because in those days when you borrowed money, you put up not only property, but your children as collateral. And if you didn't pay the debt back, they could come get your children and they would serve as slaves for a period of time until that debt was paid off. And the woman, her husband's passed away. She has no, we don't, according to this, she has no money whatsoever and the creditors are coming to take her sons into slavery. And so she cries out to the man of God. What can I do to help you, Elijah said. Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, nothing at all except some Wesson. She got some olive oil. That's all she's got. All I got is some olive oil that I picked up at TJ Maxx. That's all I got left. I got some olive oil. And, she, and he replied, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Boy, you know, if that was nowadays, how many of you know if I said you came to, you know, the Bible says in James, it says that if any of you is sick among you, let him call for the elders. So you call for the elders and we pray. And all of a sudden we say, hmm, this is what we hear the Lord saying. Go home, call all your friends. Facebook, tweet, Instagram, whatever. Let them know you need to borrow some of their pots. Because we hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, take that olive oil, take your children, go inside, get all them pots. Don't borrow a few. That's what he said. Don't borrow a few. So she's got a flask. I don't know. Maybe the flask is the size of an iPhone. I mean, you know, when you think of a flask, you think of, you know, a flask where they put alcohol in. But in those days, it was a flask where they put olive oil. So I don't know how much... But she's standing there, she's looking at this olive oil, and the prophet, the man of God, says, go borrow as many as you can. Don't borrow a few. Because he knows something. He may not know everything, but he's seeing something. He's hearing something, and he's telling her to do something. And what, what do we do? What would we do if we was, man, what you talking about? Go get, I ask you elders to pray, and you tell me to go borrow some bottles from people? As she was told. <clears throat> And I heard, I, I heard the Lord say this week, ask them, what have I said? What's he said to you? Because we're always looking 
Because I'm telling you, being in the heat of it, you can always be looking for a new word. And I keep hearing, the Lord keeps taking me back. He keeps saying, what have I said? I said, you told me to do this. He said, well, then you do that. And I took care of the rest. Yes, sir. I just keep doing it, no matter what. Wind, waves, rain, whatever. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep doing what he said to do. Keep doing what he said to do. And the Lord wants me to ask you this morning, what has he said to you? What has he said? Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled them up one after another. How many of you know that is a miracle? You just keep pouring. All right, this one's full. Bring me another one. And all of a sudden, now this little flask is just enough oil to just keep filling these pots. Keep filling them and filling them and filling them. Soon, every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, Mama said. Mama said, bring me another jar. <laughs> you said to Langston, bring me another jar. And Langston said, uh-oh, there ain't no more jars. There are not any more jars, Mama. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. <clears throat> are you preparing yourself for the supernatural increase in your life that God desires for you? We will make us more aware of your presence, O oh Lord. Are you preparing yourself to become more aware of his presence? Lord, I want more. I want all you got, Lord. Are you preparing yourself for what he's told you to do? She, this woman went to the man of God. Now, that was the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, the prophets were the one who heard, and you went to them, and they were the mouthpiece of God. But Romans tells me that as many as are sons of God, they are led by the Spirit of God. Amen. So you ask the Holy Spirit, I want to see more of God. And I hear him saying to us, are you preparing yourself to see? She did what she was told. You know, the life of the supernatural lifestyle is not going to make sense to the natural mind. It doesn't make sense to get out of a perfectly good boat in the middle of a storm and walk on water. That don't even, your brain doesn't even compute that. Your brain just goes and takes a back seat to what's going on. That's why the Spirit of God is saying this to us. He's saying that, that, that when Adam fell, he went, from into, he went from instinct to intellect. See, because the Bible, when you follow the Spirit of God, and when God's in operation in life, you know what to do. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to reason it. That's when we get into trouble. We just instinctively know what to do. And when Jesus, the very first miracle, not the very first one, when he was feeding the 15,000 people, the Bible says that Jesus asked them, what should we do? Because it says that Jesus knew himself what he would do. There's a level that God's calling us to live where we live by instinct, not intellect. We don't reason it out. We do it by faith. Because the Spirit of God now, we're getting back in touch. Listen to me. We're getting back in touch with the way God created us from the beginning. And we'll just know what to do. How do you know? I don't know how I know. I just know that's what we need to do. And when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what's left over. 
I don't know about you, but that don't sound like a little bit to me. She said, he said, go and sell it. And not only will it be enough to pay all your debts, but it'll be enough for you and your sons to live on. Not by might, nor by power, but by what? My spirit, says the Lord. And I'm telling you this morning, there is miracles that pass us by daily. Because the spirit of the Lord prompts us to do something and we don't do it because we go, well, that don't make sense. When the children of Israel crossed over and were going in, when they sent the 12 spies out in, in, uh, in Exodus, when they sent the 12 spies out, they sent them out to spy out the land. And the 12 spies came back, and there was only two of the 12 that said, oh, we got this. But 10 rejected the idea of being able to overcome the giants and the things that were in the land. Why? Because when you and I step over and we begin to see what God's calling us into in the supernatural, our mind is going to reject it. First time you lay hands on somebody to pray for them to be sick, your mind is not going, boy, this is exciting. Let's see what happens. Your mind is not only rejecting it, but your mind, your will, your emotions are trying to talk you out of doing what the Spirit of God has quickened, made, and instinctively given you to do. And we've allowed the enemy to come in and negotiate with us and talk us out of our miracle. What's he said to you? What's he said to you? Genesis chapter 18. Most of you are familiar with this one. Genesis chapter 18. What miracles are passing us by? I'm telling you. Things pass us by daily. I've been asking the Lord, Lord, make me more aware of your presence. I want to be aware of the miracle working power that is in me. I don't want to just pass it by. And that, the other day, when that guy made that comment, that was something that was going to pass me by. If I, didn't, I could have just kept on going and not said a word because I was busy and because I didn't want to entertain it. And I'm telling you, there was something that rose up in me and I said, no, he ain't coming. He is not coming for an abused bride. One of the guys said, well, that leaves my wife out. I thought, well, that's ugly. I said, I'm going to tell you why she said that. No, he's coming back for a spotless, mature, strong, victorious church. I know you don't feel like it, but aren't you glad that he doesn't say things over you according to what you feel or what you see? I'm glad he doesn't look at me and call me those things which I see and which I believe from time to time. He calls me those things. He speaks things to me that be not as though they are. I'm thankful that he called Abraham and changed his name from Abram to Abraham, which means father of many nations, long before the brother ever had a baby. Genesis chapter 18. Watch this. Genesis chapter 18. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak. Again. Somebody say again. 
See, that's where the mercy of God comes into play. He's given you that word already. He spoke that thing to you. He showed you that word in the word of God. He showed you to it, but you've been neglecting it. You've been running from it. You haven't embraced it. So, the Lord appeared again. Somebody say again to Abraham. One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance of his tent during the hottest part of the day. Well, it's hot. Isn't it funny how, I didn't see this to just now, but isn't it funny how the Spirit of God, God loves us so much, he'll come to us at the hottest part, the most, at midnight, he'll show up and say, I got this. I got this. And he said, he looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, he recognized that these were either angels or the manifest presence of God was on them. And he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue your journey. God, listen, people need you when they need you. They don't need you at 5 o'clock or 5.30 when you off work. They need you when they need you. And the Spirit of God very rarely shows up in our lives when it's convenient for us. Now that'll preach. The hottest part of the day, the man himself, Abraham, recognized and he said, you have honored me with your presence. At the hottest part of the day, let me fix you something to eat. Very rarely does the Lord ask us to do something and it I mean, it's just like wonderful. We feel like it's the coolest part of the day and I'm full and I'm rested and I'm going to go serve the Lord at church today. No, he asks you to do something. He asks us to do things that aren't always convenient or feel good at the moment. But notice he didn't ask them. Abraham, as an act of honor and reverence, said, you have honored me with your presence. I want to honor you. And now in the hottest part of the day, he begins to stir things to make food for them. And so he does that. Somebody say honor. What was it we said a couple of uh, weeks ago? We said the Lord said to them, those that honor me, I will honor. <clears throat> All right, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry. Where's the urgency? I got to be careful. Where's the urgency in our lives for the things of God anymore? Can I ask you that question? And I'm saying that to me too. I've said that. I've had to ask. Where's the urgency? Hurry. It's time to go to church. Where's the urgency? Come on now, hurry. It's time for the church to rise up and pray and, and, and let's get this thing done. Let's put our hands to this thing and pray. Where's the urgency? Abraham comes in and says, hurry. The men of God are here. They hungry and thirsty. Let's get them something to eat. Get three large measures of your best flour kneaded into dough and bake some bread. This was, none of this is part of my sermon, but every time I read this, I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying this. He didn't say go to the refrigerator and get the leftovers and warm them up. <laughs> he didn't say go in there and get the meat that's been in there that's almost ready to expire. We'll fix that because we're saving the good roast for Sunday. 
No, he says, go get three large. Don't be bringing no. My grandmother, when we was growing up, we would eat breakfast, and she would fix us breakfast, homemade biscuits and all that, and she would give us these little shot glasses of orange juice. And I would say, Grandma, this orange juice is good. Can I have some more orange juice? And she would say, no, baby, that's expensive. Now, if you go eat breakfast at Granny Carol's house, she won't say that. She'll sit the orange juice in front of you. Won't she? This is good, Grandma. She's a good, good Grandma. She'll sit that orange juice and eat it all, but drink it all, baby. It's good for you. Papa, go get some more. Papa, go get some more orange juice, won't she? But my grandmother grew up in that generation, and she had some things that she had to overcome. And I remember her. I remember that as a little child. I remember that. You can't because it's too expensive. It's too expensive. It's too expensive. That's right. It's too expensive. Too expensive. And Abraham goes in there and he says, three large. Go down to the Flash Foods and get the big redneck gulp. For, I mean, fill it up. Y'all don't you know the Flash Foods has got them big old drinks? 99 cent? Supersize. Get three large measures of your best flour. Get the best. And knead it into dough and bake some bread. Don't, this, we're not talking about popping it in the microwave. We're talking about you've got to expend some effort. He's saying, woman, expend some effort. Let's honor the man of God. Let's bring them some food. Not microwave, but some food. I, I had to cook dinner for the girls last night. And I went by, we were at Walmart, we were late, we were running late. And so I went in and I grabbed that stuff, you know, you buy and you pour it into the skillet and fix it up because it was like 5 o'clock. takes us about 45 minutes to get home. And then you got to get showers and baths. And April was out running errands. And I thought, man, if I get home, it'd be 8 o'clock before I could throw something. I said, I'll just do this. And we did the little, you know, we bought the little pouches and you stir them. Man, I don't care. You, I would have rather eat that chair right there. <laughs> because once you have real authentic Asian food, you don't ever want nothing else. Can I get a witness? He, he didn't say, go in there and get out of the freezer the stuff that we can throw in the skillet real quick because they're hungry. No, he said, knead the bread for dough and bake some homemade biscuits. Then the next morning, yesterday morning, I fixed homemade biscuits and breakfast. I made up for it for the night before. He said, fix them. Then Abraham ran, 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 ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to his servants who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and roasted the meat and served it to the men, and they ate. Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. So the result of honoring the Lord, the result of, of pressing into these things, the, the result of that is now the, pres the very thing that they desire is the very thing that the man of God is, is prophesying right now. Now you all understand that this was after the initial time when the Lord took him outside and said, look at the stars. Y'all do know that, right? See, God's given us a word. 
God's given you a word, God spoke some things into your heart, and you've been walking it out. <clears throat> and I think with Abraham, it was, uh, I think it was 12 years, somewhere around there, before the, from the first time or seven, from the first time that you heard it to the manifestation. You've been, you've had this promise. I mean, you've been doing this for X a number of years, and it ain't come to pass yet. And the Lord's, the Lord's encouraging you. The Lord's saying to you, listen, you keep pressing in. You keep honoring. Because time is no significance to me. And really, and truthfully, time is no significance to you. Tomorrow night is going to be uh, the first time in a long time. And it will be the last time for, I guess, another 30 years or 20 years where the moon will be the largest it is in sight tomorrow night. And I was thinking about that this morning. And the Lord said, who created the moon? And I said, you did. And he said, who created you? And I said, you did. And he said, whose spirit do you have inside of you? And I said, yours. He said, how did I create it? I said, you spoke it. And he said, what spirit do you have in you? And I said, yours. So you are like me. And I said, yes, sir. And then the light bulb came on. You and I will be able to stand and look at that moon and the same power, the same manifest presence of God that spoke that thing into existence is right in here. Come on now. So when you look at that moon tomorrow night, I want you to think about that. It's what I heard the Lord say this morning. Tell him to think about that. The same power that created that, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that dwells in us. And you and I can look at that moon and go, hmm, my daddy created that. And he's teaching me how to do the same thing. And so now when you look at that and you see that your daddy created that and the same power and the same spirit lives in you, then when you look at your checkbook, you can look at your checkbook and you can look at the moon and you can go, oh, this ain't nothing. When you look at that report that the doctors have said, you can look at it and say, oh, that ain't nothing. I think in one translation it says, I will return to you for the appropriate time, for the time that is in season. See, there's a seasonable time to God. There are seasonable times in God that we don't always know, but I know that the season that God has for us at times are always seem to be a little later than what we would like. You know, He doesn't come at 9 o'clock. It says Paul and Silas, and at midnight, as they were praying and singing praises to God, the place shook. I, I, I don't understand all that. But I know the moment at which you, listen to me, I know the moment at which you feel the most amount of pressure. I know the moment at which you want to quit and you want to run and you want to give up. I know that that's the moment where you and I got to press in even more. Well, we got to pray and throw our hands up and sing praises to God even more because the victory has already been won. There is nothing that you and I cannot do with God. It says, if God be forced, who could be against us? Ready? I'm fixing the, we're fixing to land this plane and knock the tree over. You ready? Somebody say, tree? What's he talking about, tree? The, the scripture says in Ecclesiastes, it says that where the tree falls, that's where it lays. We're fixing to lay the tree down right here. You ready? 
Genesis 18, he said to them, where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked, she's inside the tent. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have, will have a son. Sarah was listening to the conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? You know, it's funny. She done throwed him in there with it, too. <laughs> Misery always likes company, don't it? Well, what are we going to do? It's just terrible. I just can't stand it. I mean, you know it. And we are. Misery always likes company. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? It says that she laughed to herself. The Lord knows when you're laughing inside yourself. You might as well just be honest. Uh, I don't have time to turn there, but uh, because I want to I wanna close this thing out. But there's a passage of scripture that says, uh, that's in, I think it's in Luke where the man comes to the Lord, I think it was in Luke or John, it comes to the Lord, and he says, my son is, is throwing himself down, and he's been like this. And the Lord said, Jesus said to him, he said, how long, the man started, the, 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 uh, the son looked at Jesus, recognized who he was, and the Bible says that he started convulsing even worse. And Jesus didn't freak out. So the, man, so the little child is sitting there convulsing, I mean, just I mean, having a fit demonically and it's almost like Jesus looks at him and goes how long has he been like this and it's like everybody's you know tripping out and freaking out because this this guy's I mean he's just going nuts because the demon recognizes who Jesus is and Jesus didn't respond and react no he didn't react he responded and he said how long has he been like this and the man said he's been like this all his life if you will no it said if you can and Jesus said if I can, he said, all things are possible to him that believes. And the man said something that from this right here, I want to get these two go together. I want to say to you, Sarah laughed at herself. She laughed. It's almost like the man laughed inside himself. But his response to the Lord was this. In the midst of his doubt, in the midst of his temptation, in the midst of him saying, if you can. He was doubting before he even got in his mouth. He said, if you can. And Jesus said, if I can, all things are possible to him that believe. And he said, oh, Lord, help my unbelief. I've gone to the Lord. I don't know if you have, but I've gone to the Lord in my tears and my crying and in my fear and in my pain. And I said, Lord, I don't know this. I don't like this. I don't understand this. And everything that's within me is telling me you can't do it. But I know you can. And I put my trust in you. And so, Lord, whatever faith I don't have, strengthen my faith. Don't ever give way to the enemy's thoughts. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. And so the Spirit of the Lord is asking you that this morning. Is there anything too difficult for God? Is there? Is there anything too difficult for you, Ms. Beverly? Is there anything too difficult for the Lord to do in your life? David, is there anything too difficult for the Lord to do? Ryan is anything too difficult for the Lord. Jesus said, Kevin, 
all things. Not some, well, you know, we've got to be permissible will of the Lord. He said all things are possible to him that believe. You and I should be walking and can and are stepping into a place where we're going to live such a supernatural lifestyle where we're going to begin to live, and it's going to be a battle at first because your brain and your soul is not used to it. Your soul is not used to walking on water. So you're going to have to condition yourself to walk on water. You're going to have to condition yourself to live, me and you live, like Jesus lived. And we're stepping into a place where people are going to look at us and they're going to see us and they're going to say, oh my God, what is it that you have that I want it? And I don't mean, oh, you seem like real nice people. No, they will see the manifest presence and the glory and the provision of God. They will travel from three counties to come bring their automobiles to you to get fixed because before you lay hands on them and fix them, you pray in tongues and God gives you the revelation of what's wrong. They will bring their trailers to you to get fixed, Russell, because before you touch them, the Spirit of God gives you revelation about what's wrong with them. They will bring patience to you, Langston, because they know, uh, we don't know what it is, but his clinic has the best rate of percentage of recovery than any other facility we've seen in three states. We don't know what it is. But the anointing is on them. We don't, they can't explain it. They won't know what it is. But I'm telling you by the Spirit of God that we are coming. We are stepping into that place. Don't be the doubters. Don't be the ones who won't admit that you doubt them. At least admit it and say, oh, Lord, help my unbelief. They said, I mean, the disciples said, Lord, we believe, and, but help our unbelief. I mean, he's bringing us to a place where people will come because of what they see in your life in the community. Youth. In the youth group. Y'all had how many? 30 kids out there the other night for the bonfire? For a bonfire. Cornell said it was so popular that the adults and the parents were showing up. I said, so the adults crashed your bonfire. He said, yeah, kind of. It will become such an aroma to people that they will gravitate towards you because of the presence and the life and the glory of God that you are manifesting in your life. Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? And so the disciples said, Lord, why couldn't we cast this out? And the Lord said something, and he said, this type only comes out through prayer and fasting. And I said, Lord, I have a problem with that. Let me tell you why I have a problem with that. Because you make it out like in order for us to have the authority and the power to do that, we've got to work something over here through prayer and fasting. And I said, you're going to have to show me and reveal to me what that means because I don't understand how to articulate it. And the Lord said to me, he said, that's not what I'm saying. He said, but son, if you're so consumed with the world, you're not going to be reacting and instinctive to the things of the Spirit. That's what he said. So you mean I got to pray and fast in order to cast some things out? No, let me tell you what I'm saying. I'm saying in order for you to understand how to do that, you're going to have to cut yourself off from the things of the world. 
the, the things, Paul said, the things that I desire to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't desire to do, I do. Oh, what wretched man I am. Is there any hope? And most people shut the thing and dismiss for lunch right there. He said, but thanks be to God. He always. The Bible says that a righteous man can fall seven times, but God will raise him up. I don't care where you're at in your life this morning. Where's my minstrel? There she is. Come on, stand with me. I don't care where you're at in your life this morning. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't even care if you think, man, I don't even understand what you're talking about. I don't like that. It does not matter because you and I both know when you go home, you know what I'm talking about because you experience it daily. And I'm telling you by the Spirit of God that no matter what's going on in your life, there is nothing, nothing, nothing too difficult for the Lord. This isn't a series that we're starting or anything like that that I know of unless the Lord directs me otherwise. This isn't something I just felt the Spirit of the Lord say to me, encourage them as I have encouraged you because it's been tough. David, the psalmist, the man after God's own heart would encourage himself. I'm telling you to encourage yourself. Get your Bible out and read it and say there is nothing, is anything. Just ask yourself that question. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Because all creation knows the answer to that question. Because it was created by the Creator. I believe that's why he said it. Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? Because the rocks will cry out. Yes, there is nothing too difficult for the Lord. Nothing. And the enemy wants us to be distracted. The enemy wants us to waller in self-pity and doubt and unbelief. And he wants us to focus on all the negative. What about the pot? Boy, it's bad. I'm telling you. Brother, you need to pray for me. It's bad. Who told you it was bad? Who told you that? Because that's not what the Bible says. It says, though a thousand may fall at my left side and ten thousand at my right, it shall not come nigh my dwelling. I mean, if you'd have watched the news the night before the election, you'd have thought the world was just going to collapse. And if you watch it right now, they say it, oh, Lord, help us, Jesus. Yes, exactly. Now, what can we do? We can rise up and we can say, Father, daily you told us to pray for those that are in authority over us that we may live a quiet and peaceable life. So we pray that in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that those elected officials that we elected would be guided and strengthened by the power of your spirit in their decision-making processes concerning us and our country that we would live a quiet and peaceful life. And Lord, we're asking you this. We're asking you that if they won't do it and they won't obey, then get them out of there. We pray for our leaders in our churches that, they would, that you would give me and the elders and the youth pastor and the children's minister and all the people that are in leadership, the wisdom and the guidance to know how to treat 
this most precious thing, your sheep, your body, for Father, this is your body, not ours. Help us to shepherd and guide the flock in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would manifest <coughs> that you would manifest your glory in our lives in a greater way because we've already asked you for it this morning. That the glory of God, that the manifest presence of God would just simply ooze out of us even without us even knowing it and being aware of it that people would begin to respond and see that in us and be drawn to it in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask you that your will be done for New Covenant Church in Tifton, Georgia. We ask for your will to be done in every area of our lives in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now let me close with this. says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 the human body has many parts but the many parts make up one whole body so it is with the body of Christ some of us are Jews some are Gentiles some are slaves some are free but when but we all but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we share that same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. And if the foot says, I am, I am not a part of the body because I am a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear or if the old body was an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part, part just where He wants it. You know, God has placed, I would, I'll say it like this. If God has placed you here to be a part of this body, then your part is the part that we need. And if he hasn't placed you here and you don't feel like you're supposed to be here, then we need to find what body you need to be a part of because we may not need your part. They need your part, not us. But if you are here and you know that God has placed you here, then you need to exercise your part in this body. And one of the whole reasons why we felt like the Lord was leading us to start the What's Next series was because it creates an avenue by which you can find out who we are, who God is, who you are, and then where you belong. And that's what the next session is really about. So here's what I'll say. 
I'm going to throw this out there. You don't have, if you've not come to any of them, that's fine. Because we want to get into a place and we're praying about how to do this so that it's an ongoing thing. So that when people come in, they can find out who we are, who they are. They can get plugged in and begin to serve the body of Christ, which is what God's called us. So if you're, if you're at that place where you want to know where you can serve or you want to be more involved, or maybe you want to join and you just don't know quite how or where or whatever, then I'm going to open that one up to you. Anybody and everybody who wants to come, you can come. We're going to provide lunch, but we need you to sign up, okay? Now I'm going to end with this. And then I'm going to get Langston to come close us out, okay? I'm going to end with this. God has said things to you. God has spoken things to you. And sometimes we're trying to run away from what God has spoken to us because it's hard or because it's difficult or because it's challenging or because we don't like it. And I'm going to challenge you to do something. I'm going to challenge you to go back and ask the Lord, what did you say to me? Not what you feel, not what you think. What has the Lord said to you? Because if he hasn't said to you, don't do this, then you don't need to be doing it. What has he said to you? And then respond, just like the widow did, respond to what he said, and I'm telling you, miracles will happen in your life. Amen? Amen. Church family, it's a very, very important word that our senior pastor has laid before us. And there's a decision that we have to make within ourselves in terms of what are we willing to do. We had awesome praise and worship where the Lord has called us to draw closer to Him. And we know that He's wanting to do things in us, but we still run. The Lord asked a question today, is what happens when you come to the end of yourself? And everything that you can do by your own gifting. As you desire to seek the supernatural, it won't make sense. But the Lord extends his hand to you and he reaches out and he says, if you will take my hand and take this next step, I will draw you into a place of my power and my authority. And as pastor spoke, that seed is already in us. His Holy Spirit is already in us. So I just invite anyone who does not know him or desires to have a greater link to who he is to come up to this altar. And we'll join with you and we will agree in the things that God is doing. For the rest of us, as we prepare to engage and to reach and ask ourselves the question, what is next? That's the opportunity also to step in to ask those questions. And that's the very thing that the enemy wants to stop you from doing. So don't walk away without asking those questions and without seeking and doing what he's already told you to do. And it's in you already. You know, I look out and I see it all over the house. God has such 
places, such gifting, such things that he's called us to do. And we keep holding back. And I say, what is that? But let this be the day, that new day, where he draws you into his presence. So, Father, as we leave this place today, Father, we ask for more of your mercy, more of your grace. We ask you to just continue, Lord, just going before us and taking down those giants, those enemies, those things that come against us. Father, as we stand here today and we make a decision, let the decision be not for the kingdom of myself and my own flesh, but for your will. Let your will be done in my life. I desire your kingdom. I don't know what it looks like, but I desire your kingdom. Father, as we walk out of this place today, I ask for you to go with us during this week. Father, let me become more hungry for you. Let me pick up your word. Let me make time for you. Because, Lord, you've done so many things for me, and I can't thank you enough, Father. I thank you for healing. I thank you for restoration. I thank you for your faithfulness in my life. And I praise you. Help me to praise you even in the midst of the storm. Let worship come out of me that shows that I have the confidence that you are who you are. Father, I thank you for this body. I thank you for Tifton. I thank you for being sovereign over this nation and this world. And I ask that your spirit rule and reign in our lives. Bless these people as they go from us. Protect them. Make them stronger. Take them away from milk and draw them into the meat of everything that you have. This is that season. In the name of Jesus, we declare it. Bless you. This altar is open.